today on The Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. If uh, last uh, week's midterm elections in the United States uh, were any concern uh, about a number of different issues that are going on south of the border, including the trade deal, well, uh, you're very, very legitimate concerns, I think, are, are going to be realized here in just a couple of seconds, because some of the musings that have come out from the, uh, which will soon be democratically controlled House of Representatives, uh, indicates that the uh, USMCA deal, that's that trade deal struck between Canada and Mexico and the United States a little while ago, may be in danger. Uh, apparently not too many people on either side of the border like what's going on here, and uh, of course nobody's ratified it as of yet. Joining us to talk about this, Ian Lee from the Swat School of Business at uh, Carleton University. Good morning, Ian. How are you doing today? Good morning, Bill. I'm doing just fine, thanks. This does not surprise me. Does it surprise you that there's a lot of dissension about this deal? No, no, um, and I'm not at all pleading uh, some kind of special clairvoyance. Um, the record is very clear to anybody who looks at it. Uh, the Democratic Party and particular voices in the Democratic Party, Senator Sanders, of course, uh, and and others have um, been very, very critical of NAFTA. They've also been very critical of the TPP. And indeed, as I've uh, noted uh, many times, the Democratic Party has never voted formally in a legal vote in the U.S. House to support a trade agreement, a free trade agreement. The 1993 trade agreement that was uh, promoted and signed eventually into law by Democratic President Bill Clinton only went through the House with the support of the Republican members. It was voted against by the Democratic members, but there were enough so-called blue dog Democrats or conservative Democrats, as well as Republicans, that together they were able, Clinton was able to put together a majority. But there are significant numbers of Democrats in the U.S. House then and now that are very um, hostile, very critical of uh, trade agreements. And, and so it is by no means a done deal it may ironically be a situation similar to 1993 when it comes up next year, early next year, a similar situation whereby enough Republicans and some Democrats support it, but that's by no means certain because the Republicans have become more, uh, some Republicans have become more hostile to trade agreements as well. So I would argue that the conditions on the ground in the U.S. House are less hospitable, less supportive of trade agreements today, meaning 2018, 2019, than they were back in 1993 when the Republican Party was absolutely gung-ho, 100% gung-ho, in support of trade agreements. Now they're more lukewarm and conflicted themselves. So I think it means that this is going to be very problematic. It, and it runs contrary to, I think, a lot of the, the perceptions some people might have, uh, you know, because you've got Trump wandering all over the place saying that every trade deal we've ever signed is unfair and the U.S. Yeah. is getting ripped off, etc. cetera. Uh, he's not alone in thinking that. The Republicans have been the free traders most of the, I guess, the last 70 or 80 years anyway. Yes, yes, absolutely. They were. And, 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 and in fact, I don't want to give the idea that, there's not, that they've done an about-face every last one of them. There's still lots of Republicans in the Congress that are still very pro uh, free trade and and supportive of trade but there are others especially i think it's fair to say in the rust belt states where the the support has become more uh, tepid more lukewarm shall we say uh simply because 
the uh, free trade benefits have been uh, uneven. And, and I mean by that some parts of the country and some industries have done very, very well under free trade, and some industries have done not so well. And, uh, and the Rust Belt states, as we all know, are not doing anywhere near as well as the big cities. Not just the coastal big cities, but, you know, the Chicago's and the New York cities and the San Francisco's and the Atlanta's, they're all doing very well or much better. And then you get out to the burbs and the small towns and they're doing a lot worse. So, uh, again, it's, uh, it really depends. Uh, Bill, I think it comes down to Nancy Pelosi. Because remember, in the U.S. House, the speaker of the majority party is, uh, wields the gavel. Mm-hmm. And they control a lot. They control things like um, when something will come up for a vote. They literally, that's, in the, that's under the control of the speaker. The other thing is that the speaker hands out, uh, or at least with a lot of tacit support, the speaker approves, endorses the committee chairs. And they're very prized by members because they get big stipends. Addition, they get a huge expense account. They get a huge office support staff. So when you're the chair of the banking committee or chair of the energy committee, it's a really big deal in Washington, D.C. And so people fight like crazy to get that. And the speaker's influential. So the speaker has a lot of power. It's not unlimited, but you have a lot of power. And so it really depends on how much power she wants to use of her own capital on the free trade agreement, given that it, it that there's so much conflict within the Democratic Party surrounding free trade. And uh, it's going to be fascinating. I'm sure right now, as we speak, I'm sure that they are fighting behind closed doors tooth and nail over this issue, the anti-trade or fighting for it to become up for a vote and for Nancy Pelosi to support killing it because they'll need the tacit approval of the speaker. Or, and the other side is uh, working very hard to, uh, to get it supported because they realize, at least they believe, that the Republicans will use that against them in the 2020 election. So it, it, there's a lot of agendas going on here. <laughs> All right, and, and with that in mind and with some of those concerns, I mean, let's go down that road for just a second. If they do hold this up, maybe if they don't even kill it yet, but at least hold it up and say, wait a second, let's back off of this just a little bit. Uh, what does that mean? Do we, do we go back to square one? Um, I think we would be it would be in limbo in essence. In other words, the existing free trade agreement has never been rescinded or abrogated or cancelled, so it would continue on. But it would be uh, like a lame duck uh, because everyone knows it, it doesn't. Uh, it's an orphan. I mean, in the sense that there's nobody claiming to be the mum or the dad. Uh, there's a lot of people who want to get rid of it. And uh, uh, although I, the the, uh, the other issue, of course, is that the longer it gets delayed the longer it runs into the politics of the new Mexican government being sworn into office and of course the Canadian government uh, up for re-election in October of 19 uh, of 2019 so um, it gets it gets yet messier and of course they're already campaigning for the 2020 election because that's when the president is up for re-election as well as of course one third of the Senate and the entire House of Representatives. There's a procedural issue that I wanted to, to throw by you here, Ian, because we've talked about this, and, and the whole reason why this deal was being negotiated in the first place is because the, the Congress gave the president permission yes. to begin negotiations. This is not supposed to be the president's job. As a matter of fact, it's not his job. It's the Congress's job. When the, when the Democrats take over the House, is there a chance that they may simply rescind that and say, you're not in charge anymore, we'll negotiate trade deals, thank you very much? They could. 
They could, and I think this is one of the, I mean, they can actually rescind any, I mean, the, the House of Reps is, I, I don't want to push this too far, but it's similar to the, uh, to the House of Commons. And I don't want to push it too far because their Senate is elected. Of course, our Senate is not elected. But it is a two-house system. Both houses must pass a bill before it can be signed into law, same as the Canadian system. Mm-hmm. The only difference is in the states, the president signs the bill into law, and in Canada, it's the governor general. But this is really a distinction without a difference. It, there is a procedure, and both houses have to support it. What that means is both houses has a, a veto, in essence. Even our lowly Senate, you know, which doesn't have any respect, if they don't vote a bill in, it's very difficult to get a bill into law because <laughs> the Senate has to re-vote it and re-vote it. Excuse me, the House of Commons has to re-vote it before. Uh, I don't want to get sidetracked on that, but on the, in the states, it's much more clear-cut. If the House does not support a bill, it doesn't matter. It, it, you know, you can't, you can't, the Senate can't say, we're going to uh, overturn. They can't overturn a, a House decision. They can vote differently from the House decision and say, we support this bill. But both houses must support the bill. So in essence, the House and Nancy Pelosi have a veto. And they can exercise it, so they can make the life very difficult for Mr. Trump. I think they're going to, by the way, um, certainly on the, his expense accounts and the Russia investigation and so forth. But they can make his life difficult on every bill that is introduced in the House by not going along with the bill that he would like to see. And so she does have a lot of power. Now, that also means she's got some leverage. And the, what for me... Bill, the fascinating question is, is she going to try and leverage her support for the new NAFTA, as I like to call it, uh, for something else from Trump saying, because she's really big on health care, public health care, almost yeah. call it Canadian health care. She may be saying to Trump, you know, Trump, you want this trade agreement really badly. Well, you know, I want public health care. I want uh, Obamacare supported. So are you going to help me, Mr. Trump? So she might start to get into old-fashioned horse trading and use NAFTA as the bargaining chip or leverage that she has over Trump for the things she wants. Because I think she cares a lot more about public health care than she does about free trade. Given how unpredictable Trump can be, though, with those initial discussions between Pelosi, would have to, I would think, be with Mitch McConnell, the Senate leader, as opposed to the president himself. For sure, because they understand that they have to go through both houses. Yeah. They even have this, I won't get into the weeds, I promise, but they have this little mini bureaucracy there. It's called conference. And conference is the senior leaders of the Senate and the House, where they get together regularly, I understand weekly, to negotiate differences between two bills. Because Canadians may think, well, what happens if the House passes one version of a bill and the Senate passes another version? Well, this thing called the conference, which is this little mini-committee of the most powerful people on both sides, they're the ones that get together to massage the bill into one common bill that both houses will support. And uh, that thing called the conference is obviously very powerful because they're the ones that, you know, turn the sausage (laughs) into a thing called a bill that becomes a law. And so it's very important. And uh, so she's going to, and she she is one of the key people on that conference, by the way. So it's going to be really, really interesting to see all this horse trading going on and to see uh, whether, of course, whether Trump is going to go along with it, too. How badly does he want a new NAFTA, as opposed to going along with whatever she's asking from him. It's going to be interesting to see the politics within politics over the next couple of weeks as this unfolds. Ian, uh, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for this today. 
My pleasure. Thanks. Ian Lee from the uh, Sprott School of Business at Carleton University. And, and obviously this is going to have implications uh, right here locally uh, because, let's face it, one of the, the side issues, and maybe not so much of a side issue, one of the main issues, of course, are the tariffs that are still in place on steel and aluminum. That has a huge impact on what could be happening uh, here in Hamilton with our uh, heavy industry. And I know they've expressed ArcelorMittal and DeFasco and, uh, and certainly uh, DeFasco, uh, I was going to say U.S. Steel. That's, that's going back a few years, but Stelco, of course. Uh, and if this doesn't get resolved pretty soon, it is going to start to have an impact on their, their business operations. So we need to see some resolution, uh, especially when it comes to the tariff situation, but just as importantly about the trade deals. And, and like I say, there's a lot of rumblings, just some comments that are being made uh, by both Democrats and Republicans that this is not going to get an easy ride. And, uh, well, we already know that there are people on this side of the border that are not very pleased with the trade deal, especially in the dairy industry. And maybe the best advice you can give them at this stage right now is uh, just hold your powder because this thing may blow up down in the States and never actually come to fruition. Uh, listen, just before we get a break, I want to remind you, there's a this busy week coming up this week. Uh, among the many items that we want to talk about is uh, the uh, Realtors Auction, which is coming up on Thursday night. This coming Thursday night at Michael Angelo's up on the South Mountain. And uh, this is the uh, this is officially the kickoff, I guess, really for our CHML Christmas Tree of Hope campaign. Uh, the realtors have been our partners uh, many many years now, and have raised an incredible amount of money, which of course we in turn uh, throw into the CHML Christmas Tree of Hope and uh, make sure that kids can have a Christmas and adults that uh, are in dire straits can have a Christmas. But it all starts on Thursday. Uh, we've had some of the guys from the Realtors Auction uh, on the program, of course, in the last couple of weeks. It's a dinner now. It's a, if you haven't gone for a couple of years, this has evolved now into not just a, an evening with a little bit of nosh, but now there's a dinner involved, uh, silent auction, some live auction items, a trip to a week in uh, Dublin, I believe, airfare, accommodation, everything included in that, uh, some uh, sunshine resort vacations, and uh, lots of other things that are going on. It's a great place to, to basically start your Christmas shopping if you haven't done that yet because there's a lot of great items there, like tickets for Raptors games and, and so many other things. And it's it's all about the auction, the silent auction, and, of course, the live auction. And all the proceeds, of course, go to the CHML Christmas Tree of Hope. So uh, we'd love to see you there. There are still some opportunities. I was talking to the folks up at uh, Michelangelo a couple of days ago, and uh, there are still some tickets available. If you haven't gone for the last little while, this is a good year to go. Uh, because it's going to be a blast. The food is always fabulous up there. Uh, and the atmosphere, of course, for the auction and for the evening is just uh, incredible. It's a great time and a lot of fun. So check it out. You can call Michelangelo's or you can call the uh, Hamilton Burlington Realtors Association and they can give you all the details on that. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.